I surrender all. Man, isn't God good? You know, church, you think about what all God has been doing in our lives, what he's been doing here at Word of Grace, what he's been doing in the lives of people, more importantly, at Word of Grace. I think that, I think that God is doing something great, and I think that we all need to make sure that, uh, that, that we're really just truly giving him everything. I mean, no, no stone unturned, no, no area of our life that, 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 that we're withholding from him. I mean, he really wants us just to lay it all down. He wants us to just truly just engage him with everything that we have, not just on Sunday morning, but every day in our lives. Amen? He wants us to truly be consumed with him. He's an all-consuming fire. You know what the Bible says about fire? It says that fire never says enough. A fire will never say, I'm done. I don't need anything else. A fire to keep continuing and to keep going always is requiring more. And God is saying, I'm that fire that's all-consuming, that says never enough. Whenever you think, oh God, I've given you enough. He says, no. He said, I want you to give me everything. It will never be enough until I have everything. That's what he wants. He wants all of our heart. He wants all of our attention. He wants all of our affection. And when we worship together, like we were just worshiping in this place, it's so powerful when a group of folks gets together in unity and worships the Lord like that. Don't you just feel and sense that presence of the Lord when you just connect and you just worship with other believers? Isn't it just powerful? It's kind of that thing in the Bible where he's talking about where there's two or three gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. You know, we're gathered here on a Sunday morning in the name of Jesus to worship him and to give God all of the praise and all the glory to truly give him everything. And folks, let me tell you, he's here. He's here and he wants to be real to you. He doesn't just want to be someone that you hear stories about. Church, he, he doesn't want uh, what we do here to just be about teaching something that we just go, oh, well, that's good. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. He truly wants us to give him everything. Amen? And I think that where we're going as a church and where God is leading us, that he truly is, has set us on this path of, of, of connecting to him, of loving God, loving people, and serving the world. And, and what we do here on Sunday mornings and, and what we're doing as we're gathered together as we worship God is that we're loving on God together. And then we need to love on people. We need to love on one another. And then we need to serve others. We need to give and we need to serve. That's the path that God has set us on. And that's what he's called us to do. And that's what we're stepping out and doing. And I think it's pretty good. Don't you? Like three of you think it's pretty good. Come on. I said, I think, I, I, I think it's pretty good what the Lord is doing. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, we've been in this series talking about... Uh, Things being out of order, and last week, Pastor Andy Shanholtz shared, and how many of you guys enjoyed Pastor Andy last week? <clears throat> I was, that was fantastic. Uh, he was talking about some of the root causes of some of these issues that we deal with and dealing with those things of the past and how we need to confront those things and, and deal with those things and God, allow God to bring healing in our life. And we've discussed over the past three weeks really the hows and whys of things being out of order, but now... I want us to focus this morning on beginning to start our relationships and our families on the path that we're allowing God to order our steps and set things right as we follow him. So the title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, is ordering your steps. And the first thing I want to say about ordering your steps is that it's never too late to get things in order. 
Look at somebody and say, it's never too late. You see, sometimes we make excuses and we want to say, oh, I'm too old or, oh, I'm too young or, oh, you don't know what I've done or, oh, you don't know how badly I've been treated. You don't know what's happened. Oh, if only this would have happened right in my life, then I could give God everything or then I could allow him to order my steps. You know, you just don't know, pastor. You don't know my story. My story is unique. My story is something that, you know, it's, it, it's just, I can't, it's too late for me. Let me tell you, it's never too late to get things in order, amen? I don't care what happened. I don't care how it happened. I don't care what the results that you're having to deal with. It's never too late to get things in order. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. It's never too late to get things in order. You know, we we make excuses for why things are out of order. And what excuses do is they feed chaos, Excuses will absolutely feed chaos. I mean, chaos goes, oh, give me some excuses so I can continue and grow. Because there's never going to be any peace. You're never going to be able to make sense out of a situation when you're continually feeding chaos by excusing why things are happening the way they're happening. I know that sometimes things may not necessarily have been your fault. It may have completely been 100% the other person's fault. It may have been completely out of your hands and out of your control. But let me tell you, folks, what you do today is your responsibility. Say it slow so I can say that's a mo. I said what you do with today is your responsibility. The decisions you make today, yeah, you might have had a knockdown, drag out fight last night or maybe even on the way to church this morning, but what are you going to do about that? Yeah, you may have been treated poorly by someone, but what are you going to decide to do? How are you going to choose to react today? Yeah, you may have made some mistakes parenting your children, but what are you going to do today? What are you going to do? Oh, it's too late. No, it's not too late. It's never too late to get things in order. Amen? Excuses don't fix situations. Anybody figure that one out? We like excuses because we try to take that responsibility and we try to go, oh, it's your fault. And that responsibility, God is calling us to step up and take the responsibility to begin to make the decisions to get things in order and to follow him. So excuses, they can't come where God wants us to go. Amen? You know, we have a saying around here at Word of Grace. We say where good enough is, you know, it it can't go where we're going. Where we're going good enough can't come. And let me tell you where God wants to take you in your relationships, in your life, excuses, they shouldn't be allowed. You can't cross this line, excuses, because I'm going to take responsibility. I'm not going to excuse why things are the way they are. I want to take responsibility because it's never too late to get things in order. The other thing excuses do is they enable that victim mentality. They enable the victim and they keep you wounded. And they keep you from ever truly being able to fly. You know, just like the story, maybe you've heard it, about the eagle, the little eaglet. When it was born, it was born in a nest full of other little eaglets, but it fell early out of the nest. And it happened to fall where there was a turkey farm. And the farmer went and picked up the little eaglet and, he, and, and it just went right with those little baby turkeys that were being raised at that time. And then the other little eaglets that stayed in the nest, they matured and they were able to fly. 
But you want to know what the little eaglet did that was raised with the turkeys? He pecked around on the ground like a turkey. Now, was that God's desire for him? No. Was that why God created him to peck around like a turkey? No, he made a turkey to peck around like a turkey. He didn't make an eagle to do that. But yet the eagle was acting just like everyone else around him because he had allowed his circumstances to hinder his potential. And he didn't even realize that he should be up there soaring with the rest of the eagles. You see, it will enable you. That's what excuses do. They will enable you to remain victimized and you will make excuses for why you're not doing the things God has created you to do and why you're not living out the potential and the purpose that God has given for your life. Oh, well, if I would have only done this, if I would have only had this opportunity, if I would have only had that opportunity. Let me tell you, folks, when you begin to take responsibility and you begin to pick up those things and you don't let excuses rule your life, all of a sudden something begins to happen. And it may happen quicker for some of you than others. But what begins to happen when you begin to step into that responsibility role is that God will begin to present you with doors of opportunity to walk through. <clears throat> I'm talking firsthand experience right here. Because every decision I've ever made hasn't been the best decision. <gasps> I've made some bad decisions, and guess what? So have you. Now, do we just give up and do we just remain victimized and try to blame and try to make excuses or do we take responsibility? You see, it, it, it really doesn't matter what your age, doesn't matter the degree of your mistakes, doesn't matter your limitations that maybe others have put on you or that you've accepted for yourself, just like the little eaglet. doesn't matter what your failures have been. It's never too late to get things in order because here's the deal. You have to start somewhere. Look at somebody and say, you've got to start somewhere. You see, you've got to start somewhere. That's what people don't realize. You know, we, live, we live in this microwave society that wants, they want to do one thing right and then we want everything to just immediately fall into place for us. Right? We, we just want to go to the gym one time and pick up like a little 2.5 pound weight and go, oh yeah. I, I mean, and if we can't get it that fast, then we'll start, you know, doping up with other stuff to try to get there faster because we're, it's just not fast enough. We gotta, it's got to be faster and faster. But let me tell you, folks, sometimes it takes a little bit of time when you begin to start making right decisions for things to begin to fall in order. And you've got to make the decision to stick it out. Amen? Because here's what God does. God will begin to present you with doors of opportunity and he will begin to direct that's how he orders your steps and directs your steps and while you're in the middle of the process you probably can't see from point a to point b because you don't know how in the world you're going to get out of the mess that you're in you don't know how in the world god is ever going to fix this situation you don't know how it's all going to work out i mean you're trying to figure out what you need to do but you, you don't have any idea what god is going to do or whose heart he's going to move on or what he's going to speak to someone or what situation is going to happen in their life. you you don't know you can't control that but what you can control is that you're following god and that you're doing what he says and you walk through the doors that he opens for you you know i don't i don't know maybe a lot of you know this a lot of you don't i don't know but um my story of getting here to Word of Grace is even an interesting one. 
And I never knew, I was in a season of my life where I knew it was time for us to move on. We were pastoring a church that was primarily made up of my wife's family. And we were doing that to help them. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. I just felt like this, 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 all of a sudden you guys had all this sympathy. It just rushed the stage. But we had pastored this church because they were a church that, uh, actually the church where I met my wife, uh, whenever I went there, the church uh, was at about you know, 80, 90 people. It grew to over 200 people, and, and I was the youth pastor there. That's where I met my wife. And then later on down the road, uh, you know, about eight or nine years later, this church that was once doing very well as a little church out in the country that was just, it, it was doing great. I mean, and God was blessing it. It went through two church splits in like a six-month period. And so it went from like 200 people down to a little handful, about 30 people. They were talking about shutting the doors. They were talking about closing it down. So they called me and they asked me, would you come and preach and fill the pulpit while we're looking for a pastor? And then eventually they said, would you pastor here? And I said, yes. And uh, no, it was a great experience. But we, we were there and God taught us a lot and the church grew and we, we were able to help them get financially stable. And God did a lot of great things there. But there was a period there where we knew that it was time for us to move on, and, but we didn't know what to do. Part of me wanted to make something happen. Part of me wanted to step out and to, and, and to really, you know, just, just try to push myself out and do something. But there was another part of me that knew it wasn't time that I needed to wait on the Lord. And through a series of events, I look back how all of this happened, and God opened the door for us to come to Word of Grace, and little did we know that one of the previous pastors at this church that we were connected with and we had been friends with for two years and we didn't even know until almost the the time where I came here as a candidate. And God just opened doors and you look back and you go, wow, Lord, thank you for those relationships. Thank you for those those divine appointments. Thank you, God, for you connecting things. Some people may think all of that's happenstance, but I don't. Because I can look back now and I can see the hand of God. But what does it take? It takes being obedient where you're at. It takes taking responsibility for where you're at and being obedient where you're at and realizing it's never too late to get things in order. It's not time to make excuses. It's not time to play the poor old me game. It's time to take responsibility for where you're at and say, God, what do I need to do right now? And you be faithful to do that. Amen, somebody. Matter of fact, the book of Psalms reiterates this principle in uh, Psalm 37 and verse 23. says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. So here's the thing. Are you allowing God to order your steps? Are you allowing God to order your steps in your marriage? Are you allowing God to order your steps in your finances? Are you allowing God to order your steps raising your children? Are you allowing God to order your steps if you're looking to be married you see, are you allowing God to order those steps or, or step back and look, what am I allowing or who am I allowing to order my steps? Am I allowing SpongeBob SquarePants to order my children's steps? Am I allowing the school and putting the responsibility on the school to order my children's steps? Am I allowing my friends to order my steps? Am I allowing the media and allowing all of that to order my steps and telling me what should be and shouldn't be? How things should be, what 
real happiness looks like? Am I allowing them to order my steps? Am I allowing them to set the framework for what I believe? Who am I allowing to order my steps? You know, I don't watch a whole lot of TV, um, but there was a period in my life where, uh, where I was kind of a TV junkie um, when I was a teenager, and I realized the influence that it had on me and the impact that it had on me because what it does when we overexpose ourselves to media, whenever we overexpose ourselves to different ways of thinking that are contrary to the ways of God, and when we expose ourselves to those things, it begins to formulate something in our minds that goes, I want that. Nobody knows what I'm talking about in here. And you go, that must be what success looks like. That must be what happiness looks like. That's, or, or we begin to accept things that people tell us are normal, but God said it's way far beyond what should be normal. We, we live in a society today that would want to try to convince us that getting divorces, it's okay. It's just normal. Eh, it's no big deal. Marriage is no big deal. And the media wants to just blast this and wants to just cover us in these types of thinkings. And before long, we hear it enough and we see it enough and we go, ah, it must not be that big of a deal. And then we get into a relationship and we think, ah, first time, first sign of, uh, of a fight, first sign of uh, me being uncomfortable or unhappy, ah, pfft, just a piece of paper. And we don't realize the seriousness of our commitment because we are allowing something else to shape our views and order our steps. I'm preaching this morning. Mm. Who are you allowing to influence you and to order your steps? What are you allowing to influence you and to order your steps? Because you're going to make decisions based on those influences. It's going to help shape your values and shape the things that you decide to do in life. The decisions that you make. You know, y'all, I'm just going to tell y'all what's up, all right? Um, when, I, when I was a youth pastor... Uh, I would, I, I even taught against dating. <gasps> but that's part of forming their social things so they can have a little social. I would tell them like this. If you want to play the boyfriend and girlfriend game, you're practicing for divorce. Because when you go and you date someone and you don't like them anymore because they stole your gum or they didn't get you the present you wanted... When you're 10 years old, it's cute, their little boyfriend and girlfriend. But then they say, I don't want to be your boyfriend anymore. I don't want to be your girlfriend anymore. And then when they get a little older, they say, I don't want to be your girlfriend anymore because you cheated on me. I saw you talking to that girl. You passed her a note and you sent her a text or an email. What are they doing? You're training them to have a habit of avoiding conflict. And every time they don't like something, I'm not really tied to it. So I'll just create a big drama scene and I'll disconnect myself from it. And then we wonder why the divorce rate is so high in our nation. Because we've been practicing for it and we've gotten pretty good at it. Well, what do you believe in then, Pastor? Well, we're going to preach about this today, but it seems to be striking a chord, so I'll preach. Is that okay with everybody? It doesn't really matter if it's okay or not. <laughs> I used to tell my young people when I was a youth pastor, until you are able to provide for a woman, young man, until you are able to take care of her and provide for her, you have no business playing that game. <clears throat> I said, until you can take care of her, you got no business playing that game. 
Your social development will happen just fine. Trust me. You stop playing around with that, then, then, then all of a sudden you open the door to temptation. Even good Christian boys and Christian girls raising good godly homes open the door for temptation to go in and start messing around and fooling around with things that they don't consider sex. And all of a sudden they try to redefine what sex and virginity is. They think, oh, I can fool around with this and fool around with that and I'm really still okay. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, they're sleeping around. Next thing you know, you've got a grandchild and you've got a 15-year-old daughter who's, who's pregnant. Why? Because they were playing the game. It's a dangerous game, folks. It's not my sermon today, so you can have that for free. I don't even know what I was talking about. Something about SpongeBob SquarePants. I don't know. <clears throat> We've got to be careful what we allow to set our steps, to order our steps, to set our path. Amen? Just because everyone else doesn't, just because the news tells you it's okay, and just because all of the television shows say it's okay, doesn't mean it's okay for me and my family. You know what guides my steps and orders my steps? The Word of God. I want my steps to be ordered of the Lord, not by SpongeBob, not by the Disney Channel. Amen? Amen? Amen. I don't want my steps and my decisions to be based on whether someone thinks I'm cool or not. I want them to be based on something that's going to actually help and set their path where they can be successful and walk in the plan that God has for them. Amen? Yeah. Tell you all what, man. Mm. Anyways. <laughs> to begin to set things in order, we must take responsibility, though. That's what we've got to do. It's where it starts. We've got to take responsibility. Instead of blaming others for why things are the way they are or maybe why they aren't, we need to begin to ask, what can I do to take responsibility? What can I do to bring about a positive change? If you're looking for a wife, get a job. Clean up. <laughs> Amen? Come on, ladies. Help me out. You want some jobless, nasty man? <laughs> Come on. Come on, man. Right? You see, my wife helped me. She actually had to help me a little bit. She had to help me dress better. Because when I was a youth pastor and I first had met her, I used to wear socks and sandals. And I used... <clears throat> I'm not joking. I wore socks and sandals at the same time, which I thought was cool. And I used to wear those wild Hawaiian shirts. And then I had this goofy, like, fisherman's hat on, and I had tinted glasses, because I thought tinted glasses were cool. They were bright yellow. That was what I looked like when my wife found me. Thank you, Jesus. She must have seen me through the eyes of God of what I could have been instead of what I was. See, we've got to take responsibility. We've got to change. What can I do to make a positive change? Men need to take responsibility in leading their homes and leading their spouse and their children and teaching them how to live their lives as Christians and understanding the Word of God. Amen? What? Then why am I at church today? Are you, what? I thought that was the church's job was to teach my kids the Word of God. No, 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 no. That's your responsibility at home to make sure that they grow up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Amen? Just like it's not the school's responsibility to teach your child ethics or morality either. As wonderful as the schools are, not knocking them and definitely not knocking church. 
But yet we've got to take our responsibilities, take this leadership role in the home, and that's scriptural. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about this in the book of Ephesians. Let me show you where God gives us this responsibility. Here in Ephesians, it talks about the purpose of the church. Chapter 4, verse 11, he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is why he gave them, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. He gave us these things to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Amen? Now, you are here today being equipped for what? The work of the ministry. You want to know the most, the most important ministry you'll ever have in your life? It's not a pulpit ministry. It's not a teaching ministry. It's not a traveling ministry where you're a big evangelist and everyone knows your name. You want to know the most important ministry you'll ever have that every one of you have to some degree? Your home. I said your home. Whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you have children or don't, your home is your most important ministry. Because if we lose our families, then what does it matter if everybody knows our name? And we have the best-selling books and the best widely attended conferences. What does it matter? Amen? It, it doesn't matter at all. We, we, we've got to make sure that we're ministering to our family. And what we're doing here at Word of Grace is we're equipping you. We're helping to give you the tools and give you the fellowship and give you the accountability. Give you the community where you can grow and be sharpened so you can take what's invested in you and not only apply it in your own life, but you can help teach and instruct others. Amen? Amen. And let me tell you how we're doing that. I'll just share with you for just a second about a, a way that we're trying to equip the family to be able to minister to their family here, here at Word of Grace. What we've done is in 180, which is our uh, teen program we have for 180 uh, for our youth, it meets on Wednesday night. And basically, they don't, they don't play games. They don't, you know, uh, have just uh, all fun and games. That's not what it's about. The focus of that night is the Word of God. And Pastor Keith does a great job teaching our teenagers the Word of God. And we have an incredible youth staff every Wednesday night that comes here and what they do is they have full-blown praise and worship. He actually preaches a sermon the whole nine yards, just like we do in here on Sunday morning. And what he does is he tries to, in some way, connect what I'm teaching to you guys on Sunday morning. He tries to connect that on Wednesday night. We do this intentionally. He asked me, Pastor, what are you going to be teaching on for the next few weeks? What series are you in? What is kind of the theme of that series? What's the focus? And he tries to teach that to them. Also, in our Kids on the Move, Cassie asks the same question. She says, Pastor Derek, what are you going to be teaching on? And she teaches a version of that to our children and kids on the move. It may not be the exact same thing, but it'll be similar. Pastor Mike at CR, he has been asking me recently, Pastor, what are you doing? Because we're trying to connect and trying to be intentional with what we're doing here at Word of Grace. Why? So we can equip the entire family. Because here's what happens. When you get in the car, you get little Susie or little Johnny from kids on the move, what are you going to ask them? What'd you learn today? And, 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 and everything in Kids on the Move is focused around one big idea. And if they can remember that one big idea and tell you that big idea. Well, we talked about how the Lord orders our steps. We talked about how God, uh, you know, or, or maybe the, it may be God's, uh, how we need to respect our parents. And well, that's interesting because Pastor Derek has been talking about respect or he's been talking about authority. And then all of a sudden what has happened in your car on the way home? 
a dialogue has started. And now you've been equipped to take what you have learned and what God has taught you, and now you're able to engage that child or that teenager or whoever in, that, in the car, that conversation. And now all of a sudden, what, if, what's, what just happened to you when you were at church? You were equipped, and you were able to have that conversation and grow together as a family. That's not the only way that we're doing that. That's not the only answer, but it's one way, and I think it's pretty cool. I think it's pretty great because I think that the Word of God is the answer. I think the Word of God is the core. I think it's the foundation. I think it's the answer. And we will never stray from the Word of God. We will never just teach ideas and philosophies and good things. We want to just teach. We, we don't want to just teach things that people want to hear. We want to teach what's in the Word of God because it's guiding our steps. Amen? I want it to guide our children's steps. I want it to guide our teenager's steps. I want it to guide every adult's steps. Amen? No matter what stage they're in, in their lives. So, you know, uh, people sending their kids to Christian schools to get them straightened out or sending them to this or that to try to fix them. No, they, they need you. Christian schools are wonderful. I, I think they're great. I, my wife was a school teacher in a Christian school. I'm not against them at all. But, but listen, we have to take responsibility, amen? We need to take responsibility. You know, uh, <clears throat> they need your love. They need your attention. They need your leadership. They need your discipline, they need your correction, and they need your praise. Spending money on them does not equal time. Watching television together does not really even equal quality time. They don't need you as their friend. They need you to lead them and equip them. Amen? A lot of times we're afraid to make tough decisions as parents because we're afraid that our children may not like us. They may not like the decision that we make. And so because of that, we're actually afraid of them distancing themselves from us and losing relationship with them so we won't enforce things or make difficult decisions. But let me tell you, folks, the Bible says if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. That means that if you spare that discipline and that correction, then you're going to spoil that child. Now, if I want my own philosophy to order my steps, I'll say, well, I want my kid to like me, so I won't make those decisions, and I'll just do things to make them like me. And then you know what? Your child actually ends up resenting a lot of those things. But you know, on the other hand, if I do the difficult things as a parent, make the difficult decisions to correct and to discipline, my child actually ends up loving me and I actually end up saving my child. Did you know that? you believe it let me hear a big amen. amen if you don't believe it don't say anything <laughs> it's true whether or not you want to believe it you want to know why where do i get my information from where do i get my my steps being ordered from is it from my philosophy my idea what some psychologist has told me no i get it from the word of god amen and that's what i let order my steps that's what i let direct my life you see there's a part we can do, and then there's a part we can't do. The, only th the, the, the part that only God can do is the part that we have to trust Him. We can only do the part that we can do, but here's the thing with that, is that we have to use what's been invested in us. We have to use those things that have been 
placed in us, those things that we have heard, those things that we have been taught, those things that we have read, those things that we've learned on our own. We've got to use what's been invested. We can't let it sit dormant anymore and go, oh, that's a good idea, or maybe one day I'll do that, or oh, one day I'll, I'll, I'll start doing that. No, no, no. Today is the day. Change starts today. Amen? It starts now. It starts with you deciding and me deciding to take responsibility and acting on that and moving forward with that and using what has been invested in us. You see, God doesn't want you to learn Scripture so you can just pass some test or feel super spiritual. (laughs) That's not why I want you to learn Scripture. He wants you to learn His Word so you can understand it and correctly apply it to your life. Amen? Not just so you can go around and quote in chapter and verse. That's not why. If you're not putting it into practice, what good is it doing you? You see, faith without is, faith without works is dead. You see, I can't just have the faith without the works. It doesn't work that way. I've got to actually put some legs to what I believe. Let me show you something here in the book of 2 Timothy. Is this helping anybody today? 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is the Apostle Paul writing this letter to Timothy. And Timothy was a real young guy. He was a young pastor that Paul had appointed um, over a church that Paul had actually planted. And here's what's going on. Timothy's having a rough time because he's young. He's being persecuted a lot. He, 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 people are talking bad about him, gossiping about him. People are really saying some hurtful things to him. He's very discouraged. Timothy found himself oftentimes being discouraged because he wasn't seeing things happen in that church. And he felt like he was letting Paul down. And here's what Paul tells him. He writes this letter to him. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God, from whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. So right here, let's stop. Paul saying, listen up, Timothy. I'm aware of what's going on. Matter of fact, I've been praying for you. I haven't forgotten about you. I've been praying for you night and day. I think about you a lot. And I've been praying for you. And he says, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. He said, I I know you're upset. I know you're discouraged. He said, I'm mindful of your tears. I'm aware of what's going on. He said, but I've been wanting to see you. So when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, it first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded it's in you also. Therefore, because of all of that, because of all of what I just said, therefore I remind you, somebody say you, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, I want you to look at this phrase here in 2 Timothy and, chapter, and verse 6, where he says, therefore, Timothy, I'm reminding you to stir up the gift of God. He said, stir up the gift of God. Now, this phrase, to stir up, is ap- actually one word in the original Greek, that, which is what this was translated from. That Greek word there is the word anazopuro, and it's a compound word, and it's a compound word of three words, the word ana, zo, and puro. Those are the three words that make up the word anazopuro, which means to stir up. Now, the word ana means again. So he's saying again, ana, zos, is, uh, is, that, is that alive, that life, that zoe life, if you've ever heard that word taught before in the Greek. And then puro, is the word fire. 
Okay, so this is a compound word that he's using here, saying to stir up. He's saying anazos pure. So he's saying again, make make alive that fire. He's telling him you can make that fire alive again. He's saying anazos pure, stir up, make alive that fire again. Now he tells him to stir up what? The gift. Stir up the gift. Now, the word gift there is the word charisma. And we use that even in our English language, the word charisma. Oh, they have a lot of charisma. Or, oh, they're very charismatic. And we use that a lot. And that word charisma means a gift that's bestowed upon by grace. It's something that God gave by grace. And so here Paul is telling him that gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you and prayed for you, that gift that was on the inside of you, has the potential, Timothy, to be made alive again. You see, Paul was telling Timothy, any gift that God has given you can be made alive again. Paul was telling Timothy, the fire can be rekindled. There is still hope because it's in you. You see, the Bible says that his word will never return to him void. In other words, God's word is always active. It's always alive. It's always powerful. So I don't care if you heard it as a little kid in a Sunday school class or you heard it today or you heard it last week. It will not return to God void. Amen? The word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive. It's powerful. You understand that the word is powerful. And what Paul was telling Timothy, I believe, is the same thing that God is telling us today. He's saying it's not time to throw in the towel and say, God has forsaken me. It's not time to throw your hands up on your marriage and on your children. It's not time to throw in the towel on the purpose that God has given for your life because what he has put in you, the embers are still burning and it has the potential to be made alive again. In other words, let's just Take all that fancy Greek talk and all of this breaking down this scripture. This is what it means. It ain't over. Look at somebody and tell them it ain't over. You see, you've got to believe it. It ain't over. But who did Paul give the responsibility to? What did he say? You see, this gift initially came through Paul laying on his hands and praying for him. Now, now here's what we want to do a lot of times. We, we want, oh, Paul, 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 listen. It's crazy over here, man. I'm discouraged. I'm going to give up. I need you to come lay hands on me again. We want somebody to come rush and pray for us again or lay hands on us again. Paul didn't say, oh, I'll be right there, Timothy, to lay my hands on you again. No, he did that once. Because it was already in him. Are you getting this? He did that once because that was already on the inside of him. And because it was already on the inside of him, he said, now you, Timothy, stir up the gift of God. You make the fire alive again. You do it. And don't be afraid because that spirit of fear that you're feeling didn't come from God. God hasn't given you that spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of love, a power, and a sound mind. He said, Timothy, it's your responsibility to stir up the gift now. You know, I remember folks uh, a lot of times when when God would do something great in their life and then they would wake up the next morning and after they had been to a great church service and they felt free, they felt just uh, a release, they felt like God had done something great in them, but they woke up the next morning feeling defeated, they would want to run right back to church and experience that thing all over again. So they could feel that feeling all over again. I want to go feel that feeling again. So they chased after this. They chased after that. And if this church didn't have it, then they'd run to another church that had it. Or they'd chase this speaker around or that speaker around because they really had it. Listen to me, folks. If he's put it in you, 
It's up to you to stir it up. You see, it's us taking the responsibility for the investment that God has made. Amen? You see, God made the investment and he says, okay, now you stir up the gift. You stir up the gift. You take the responsibility now because I've already done it in you. I've already invested in you. Stop making excuses. Stop looking for someone else to do it for you. You step up and you begin to apply the word that I have taught you and put on the inside of you. Amen? Mm. Paul didn't come running to lay hands on Timothy to fix his problems. He said, Timothy, you know what you need to be doing. Now stir it up and get things back in order. Stir it up and get things back in order. Folks, it's time for us to stir it up and get things in our lives back in order. Amen? We've heard it. It's been invested. Now let's take it and let's stir it up and use it because it's not dead. And it was just as good then as it is today. We just got to stir it up. Hello, somebody. That word of God that you were, were taught 20 years ago is still just as good as, as it is today. Amen? Because he's still faithful. And he doesn't, the same God that didn't want to see you defeated 20 years ago doesn't want to see you defeated today. The same God that set you free from that addiction 20 years ago still wants you to walk in freedom from that addiction today. Amen? But we've got to take the responsibility to apply it and to walk it and to do it. Amen? It's time to get the real referees back on the field in our lives. It's time to get the real referees back on the field of our lives. It's time for mom and dad to step up and be mom and dad. It's not too late. It's time for men to be real husbands to our wives and stop complaining and putting them down, but rather encouraging them and building them up. It's time to be real leaders of our home and work to get things in order. Amen? It's time for us to get back on the field of our lives. And it's time for us to stop letting someone else do the job that God intended for us to do. And excusing and blaming and pointing fingers, let's step up and let's take responsibility. Because it has to start somewhere. Maybe it starts with asking him for forgiveness. Maybe it starts with asking her to forgive you. Maybe it starts with a date night. Or it starts by turning the TV off. Or it starts by praying together. Or maybe it just simply starts with genuinely asking about someone's day. Maybe it starts with actually listening instead of always having something to say. It may start by holding her hand again. It may start by spending time with your children. However it starts, you've got to start somewhere. Amen, somebody. We've got to start somewhere because if you want to get things back in order it's got to start somewhere so where does it start for you where does it start because it's not too late it's not too late i hear that i i just hear that just bouncing around in my head folks just thinking it's too late for me that sounds great for everybody else pastor Derek, but not for me it's too late for me It's never too late to get things back in order. It's never too late to get things back in order. Amen, somebody? It's never too late. God hasn't given up on you. Your church family hasn't given up on you. Amen. Because we're loving God, loving people, and serving the world. And that means we love one another in here. Amen? We haven't given up on you. 
God hasn't given up on you. It's not too late to get things back in order. But you've got to start somewhere. You've got to use what God has invested in you. You've got to use what's been invested in you today. And you've got to get back in the game to get things in order. Let me tell you what I see. I see families praying together again, or maybe even for the first time. I see that happening as a result of you taking this word and applying it. I see families praying together and spending time with God together, like God intended for them to, like they should. I see that. I see marriages being restored. I see joy being fulfilled and couples being stronger than ever before. I see children respecting authority in every area of their lives, at school, at home, when you go over to someone else's house. (laughs) I see children respecting authority. I see healing taking place in broken families and new dialogue being started. Because I believe you're going to take this word and you're going to put it into action and you're going to see that change come forth. I believe you're going to do something with this today. I believe that this is one of those messages where we're really put front and center with some decisions that we need to make and some responsibilities that we need to take. It's time for us to get back in the game and get involved again and not just hope that everything turns out okay or hope that things change or hope that I feel better one day or hope that this all works out. No, 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 no. It's time for us to step up and to follow God and let him order our steps the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord the steps the steps the steps the steps not the leaps not the microwave fix it for me God the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. So what step is God calling you to take today? Would you bow your heads this morning? I don't know what step God is calling you to take today, but I believe that he's speaking to your heart. And if you're listening to him and you want to obey him and you want to serve him and you want your steps to be ordered by the Lord, then you've got to start today. You've got to start here. You've got to make the decision to allow him to take control in your life and for his word for his teaching for his truth to be that guiding factor for his spirit to be that guiding factor in your life because he hasn't given up on you and it's not too late if you're in this place today you say pastor Derek it's time for me to get things back in order and I'm ready to commit to doing what it takes to get things back in order I'm just going to pray for you With every head bowed in this room, I just want you, if that fits you and you say, yeah, pastor, that's me, I'm ready to get things back in order, I just want you to lift your hand and put it back down just to acknowledge the fact that, yeah, pastor, uh, that's me. I just want you to raise your hand and put it back down all over this room, all over this room. This isn't anything about, you know, anybody looking around. I'm not going to call you up here. I just want you to simply acknowledge that, that, yes, I'm ready to get things back in order. I'm going to pray for you. And then let me ask you a second question. If there's some people in this place that don't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that's the first step to getting things in order in your life. If you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you don't have him actively living in your life, if he is not a part of your life and you say, I'm ready to make that commitment, 
to him today, I want you to let me know you're here by just lifting up your hand and putting it back down. Anybody in this room today, I need to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, church, would you stand with me today? I just want to pray for you before we go this morning. God, I thank you so much for these people here today that have sat and heard your word, that have heard your truth, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit will do what only you can do as you speak to people's hearts, as you speak to their lives, God. I thank you, Father that you're helping them to get things back in order. I pray, Lord, that they'll have the courage to step out and to take that step, whatever step that may be, to applying your word in their lives to bring about a change. And let them not get impatient. Let them not get dismayed or discouraged, but let them trust and know that the God who said he would do it is going to be faithful to do it because you've proven yourself time and time again, Lord, and we thank you for your faithfulness. And we just ask you, God, we ask you today that you would help us in that step to be faithful and to and to keep on stepping to keep on moving forward and to not relent and to not give up and to get things back in order and to let you order our steps we thank you god for ordering our steps we thank you lord for us taking today right now today and making that decision today to let our steps be ordered by you in jesus name amen well thank you for coming today so glad you